Coast Church, Charlotte. I hope you all have had a great week. I hope you all have had a sense of the Lord's presence in your life. Um, we have to celebrate God's presence in our life. And we are the people of the presence of God. You are the tabernacle of the Holy Ghost. You are. Uh, we have to be. We have to be aware of that. And in the same manner that in the Old Testament they were so careful to keep the tabernacle and then keep the temple and the lamp never went out and you understand all we keep our spirits and we keep our souls we pursue the presence of god and so all right let's get started started my title tonight is uh simply this what to try when you are tired of trying something to try when you're tired of trying now, some of you are thinking, how did he know I needed to hear that? Well, that's just because uh, I was teaching myself and I hit you by accident. So uh, I want to admit at the outset here, the reality of our lives, the difficulty of living a spiritual way, living a spiritual journey, taking it, committing to it. And at the same time, I want us to have a sense of progress, what we have overcome, what we have proceeded through, and promise what is yet to come. So I want to start by reading a passage of scripture. Most of you know this story. This is 1 Kings 18, verse number three. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom brush, sat down under it, and prayed that he may die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. So Elijah looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. That's what I want to do most mornings. I want to lay down again. See, it's biblical, not even my fault. Then the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of the Lord. Then he went into a cave, cave and spent the night. The word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? Uh, I want you all to notice the Lord could have asked that question under the broom brush tree. The Lord could have asked that question when Elijah needed sleep. He was exhausted. He could have asked that question when he was weak from hunger, when he was parched from thirst. The Lord could have asked that question, but he didn't. Now, having moved him from a place of despair and crisis, you see that in a strange way, Elijah is now ready to be challenged by the Lord. All right, verse number 10. Elijah replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have... Mute everybody's have... mic, Nate. Excuse me? Mute everybody's mic. 
You need me to mute everybody's mic? Everybody's mic is now muted by the command of the Lord and let there be silence. And hopefully there was silence. I have been zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. And I am the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then great powerful wind tore the mountains apart, shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord wasn't in all that wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. The Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, a fire. The Lord was not in the fire. After the fire, a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood in the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Now, Elijah, in verse 14, repeats the same thing. He's just said he has a story and he's sticking to it. He has a narrative that explains himself, not just to himself, but to God. His story is his self-justification. It is his defense. Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, put the prophet to the sword. Verse 15, the Lord said to him, go the way you came to the desert of Damascus. And then when you get there, anoint Haziel, king of Aram, also anoint Jehu, son of uh, uh, Nimshi, king over Israel, anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat from Abel, Meloah to succeed you as prophet. Your future victory has to be connected to other people. It's not enough for you to be anointed, Elijah. You have to connect to a generation that follows. All right, so I want to use this passage um, to teach all of us. I feel like I need it too. Um, this theme, this subject, this idea of what do we do when we're tired of everything. What do you try when you're tired of trying? Um, many of you like me could sit here and say, you know, I've been serving the Lord, yea, behold, 716 years, and it hasn't gotten easier. Well, that's not true. It has gotten easier. But in this moment, your emotions are tired. And what you have to face is this, this sense of spiritual depletion spiritual depletion. Uh, how do we overcome that? How do we proceed through the wildernesses of our experience? You see, all of us have uh, experiences where everything is fresh and white hot. Um, Angie was telling about her father who just received the Holy Ghost. Just such a tremendous testimony. I love the testimony. Uh, it should encourage all of us to never stop believing for our loved ones and praying for our loved ones. Um, when I was young in the church, uh, Angie and I were essentially close to, enough to be in a, the same youth group similarly. Not exactly, but similarly. And I remember praying for her dad you know, as a little kid, prayer requests, and he got the Holy Ghost. So that's fantastic. Now it's all fresh and new. Um, and she said, all he wants to talk about is God. I love it. I love it. I love it. But um, uh, I have a challenge for all of you who have been serving God 30 years. Um, we need to talk about God too. It's just not as natural 
we have to choose, we have to strive. So let me real quick talk about facing reality. What would I say to anybody who was sitting across from me and they said to me some version of this? What, I, what do I try when I'm tired of trying? And I would give them the same advice you probably would give them. I would say things like, first of all, you got to remember this thing is a marathon and you have to find a marathon pace. You can sprint for a little while, but you can't sprint forever. If you sprint too long, what you do is you end up either having to quit because you're injured or having to quit because some other reason. It's a marathon. You have to think that way. I would say to that person, look, remember, failure is not uh, just something you have to suffer through. Oftentimes, God teaches us through failure, and that failure will become a testimony in your life. In other words, failure is part of the way forward. Why do you think we know so much about the failures of all the great men and women of God in the Bible? Why do you think God doesn't hide them from us? Because failure is part of the journey from where we were to where we want to be. Uh, I would say things like this. Look, God is less interested in fixing your problems than he is in fixing you. <laughs> Uh, I would say things like this. Look, my brother, my sister, we all experience seasons and scars and calluses and experiences, and they change us. They affect us. Uh, I would say none of us know ourselves as well as we think we do. All of us are striving in faith, but we have to keep choosing the kingdom of God. We have to keep striving, and we have to accept the fact that we are multidimensional beings. I don't know if you guys can hear the storm through my microphone. But the Lord is giving me a great amen course while I'm teaching all of you uh, right now because the storm, I can hear the storm in my headphones. Uh, hopefully you can still hear me uh, just fine. Let's continue. So with those points established, uh, I would like to give you a handful of things to try when you're sick of trying. Okay, what are we talking about? Things to try when you are sick of trying. The first thing I would say is you probably need to lighten up. Uh, laughter is like a medicine in your life. And more than just in your life, it's like a blessing in your household. Um, whatever's going on, you can usually find something to laugh at. If you can't laugh at the trouble, you might laugh at yourself. <laughs> if you can't laugh at yourself, uh, be silly. Draw some eyebrows on your dog or your baby. I love to do that. <laughs> laugh. Do something to take yourself, your troubles, your circumstances, your pain a little bit less seriously. Let's be honest. We don't want to try anymore. That's what we're talking about. That moment of despair almost where we're just sick and tired of it all. What do we do when we don't want to do anything? What do we try when we don't want to try anything? Uh, my first advice is lighten up. Um, researchers, uh, Dr. Lee Burke and Stanley Tan, uh, researched the benefits of laughter, and they found some amazing response, uh, some data on uh, the influence of laughter in our life. So here's some fun things. Seven things that laughter produces in your life. Number one, laughter lowers your blood pressure. Who would have thought it? 
Number two, laughter measurably reduces your stress hormone levels. Here's my favorite one. Laughter is a fun ab workout. You know you got a six-pack hidden under that beer keg. Um, laughter will work out your ab muscles. I need to do more of it. Believe it or not, you can demonstrably show with data that laughter improves your cardio cardiac health. It boosts the T cells in your immune system. It triggers the in release of endorphins in your body. Endorphins are uh, natural painkillers. Um, when you laugh, you release endorphins. It literally can help with chronic pain, make you feel good all over it. Number seven, laughter produces a general sense of well-being. And if you look at the data across multiple years and generations, you see that and doctors have shown a positive outlook on life helps people have better than expected outcomes when they fight diseases or sicknesses. People who are more negative tend to do worse in their response. So let's talk about where you are. Let's be honest about where you are. You don't feel like trying. You don't want to give up, but you don't feel like trying. What do you try when you don't want to try? Well, I would say first advice is you need to lighten up. You need to get together with a friend. You need to, you need to find something uh, to cheer yourself up. Now, let's put an asterisk here. If you are going through tremendous personal loss, um, you, you are being, you're overwhelmed by that loss. And usually what I've found when nothing else seems funny, remember the funny thing and the happy thing about the person you lost. And if you start talking about the person you lost, you'll start remember funny things they did and funny things they said. It is healthy. So what to try when you don't want to try, lighten up a little bit, laugh a little, be intentional with having a little fun. Uh, the second thing I'd like to try I'd like you to try when you are, let's be honest, you're on the edge, man. You, you don't want to try anything. Uh, I would say, um, and this is just good practical human advice, uh, spend some time moving, spend some time outside, get up, get out, open the blinds in your house. It, it doesn't have to be exercise like another goal. You know, some people, times we set a goal of exercise, but um, and there is a place for that, no doubt. But it doesn't have to be another stress point in your life. It can simply be you saying, I'm not going to hide in my cave. I'm not going to stay here. I'm going to come out of this cave. So without adding another stress source in your life, go for a walk, ride your bike, sit in a, tar sit in a park. If you have a dog, go run with your dog. You understand what I'm saying? Exercise, getting out, moving can show measurable benefits in your life, releasing those endorphins, making you feel happy. Being outside is like a, a mood booster, unless it's over 100 degrees outside. Uh, and then it's not a mood booster unless you're from Jamaica. Uh, people from Jamaica can be boosted by being outside, even if it's over 100 degrees. But that's a unique thing. All right, number three. Um, what do, what, what do you try when you don't want to try? Um, I would say maybe you need to let yourself feel some of the suppressed negative emotions in your life in order to find the lie 
that you are being held back by. Remember Elijah? He had a story. He had a story that in his mind was true. He did not perceive it as a self-deception. He did not perceive it as an error in his ways. But the Lord, in order to get him out of the cave, has to confront the story that Elijah is telling himself. Elijah's committed to the story. I've tried hard. I've done what I can. I'm all alone. Everyone else has turned away. They've killed them all. Now they're trying to kill me. I wish I'd have died when I was little. Um, it feels true, but it's really a prison he's living in. His ability to be used of God is outside the prison he has built for himself to make himself feel better about his fear, about his fleeing. He has built for himself a narrative that is wrong, and God cannot get him to the next place of his spiritual purpose. Go here, anoint this one, anoint this one, raise up, teach, develop the next generation. As long as he's in that cave with his self-justifying story, he's trapped, even though to him it feels true. And so here's where we have to take it to heart. I have to apply it to myself. You have to apply it to yourself. It goes like this. What circumstance that I feel is true is keeping me from being used of God. What? I, I believe it's true. I believe it's true. But it's keeping me from the confidence of getting where God would have me to be, speaking as God would have me to speak, praying as God would have me to pray. I may be telling myself something that it feels true, but it's a lie. And that negative self justifying coping mechanism whereby I feel better about me is keeping me in my depression, keeping me in my cave. I don't feel like I'm lying to myself, but I'm lying to myself. Elijah, why are you here? I'm here because A and B and C and D. The Lord doesn't buy the story. Why are you here? I'm here because of A and B and C and D. The Lord doesn't buy the story. And the Lord refutes the story and says, this is not true. This story, I don't care how much it feels true to you. It's not true. Number one, you're not alone. There are 7,000 other believers who have not bowed their knee to Baal. You are not alone. You can't let yourself believe that the work of God begins and ends with you. There's a work. And God will find and connect and raise up the people to do that work. If we are in a coping mechanism, it is almost always some version of the story we tell ourselves. I want to say that again because um, I think I have the single most common rebuke that I have received in my life as I have tried to pray through difficult situations. And the single most common um, unction I have received in trying to help other people come, from, come through their situations is this reality that the manner in which I have coped is a story I've told myself. I don't want to cope. I want to be healed. 
I don't want to cope. I want to be transformed. Do you see? I don't want to just grit my teeth and clench my fists and blast it all. <laughs> I'm going to tough my way through it. No, there is no joy and there's no ministry in that. Why? Because ministry always comes from the overflow. And when I'm in survival mode, I don't have anything to overflow. I don't have enough for myself, much less anyone else. I have to confront the coping mechanism that is my version of fixing myself. And I have to present it to God and I have to say, Lord, is this true? I know I've told myself a story about how, quote unquote, I never had a chance or they never liked me. I know I told myself that I just don't do well talking to people or I told myself I'm an introvert or I told myself I can't sing or I don't play the piano. Is this really what's holding me back, Lord? Or is this just a self-justifying coping mechanism where I feel good about staying in my cave? All right, that's some heavy stuff. Now that I feel terrible about myself, I will continue. Number four, this may sound strange until you think about it. Um, you, what do you do when you don't want to do anything? What do you try when you don't want to try anything? What do you do when you are facing a burnt over field of your own spiritual ambition? Uh, it might be that you need to find your way to being silent. Now, look what happened to Elijah. Uh, the Lord has to give Elijah an object lesson. And he does it in, I think, one of the most powerful illustrations in all the Bible, in my opinion, is how he puts Elijah in front of a crazy storm. I mean, it is the earth has fallen apart seemingly. And then God says, oh, not in that. And then fire and the Lord says, nah, not in that either. And then the Lord says, oh, an earthquake. Who isn't impressed by an earthquake? I don't know anybody that's not impressed with an earthquake. The whole ground is shaking under your, under your feet. Your very foundations are being challenged. And the Lord's not in that either. And then the Lord's in a still, small voice. In a still, small voice. It's almost as though God says, look, Elijah, it's easy for you to perceive the hand of God when it's impressive, but can you perceive the hand of God when it's not impressive? This speaks directly to me because like many of you, I grew up on an apostolic pew and I grew up idealizing, and that's not bad, that's good, but idealizing this type of emotional feel which I love and you love and we strive for it in worship and praise and you understand what I'm saying um, I grew up idealizing that and if I'm not careful I can think that is the evidence of the move of God and if the music was right then it was a move of God and if the preaching was right then it was a move of God the greatest work of God happens in the ordinary ordinariness of a voice that says, go here, do that, pray for this one, do you see? And if we have to have this heart of where we judge the move of God and decide whether or not it was enough, we're not going to be very effective for God because a lot of the work of God is in the silent. It's in the average. It's in the ordinary. Psalms 46 and 10, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. I have to find my way 
to spiritual silence. Now, I don't mean in the sense that I'm not open to God and God's not open to me. That's not the example taught here. The example taught here from my perspective is the illustration of how God is just as real and present and powerful in the still small voice as he is in the earthquake, the fire, the storm. Find your way to spiritual silence. And what you will find is in silence comes confidence. You will be impressed by a storm, but storms won't build confidence in your life. You will be impressed by an earthquake, but an earthquake won't build confidence in your life. Psalms 46, be still and know. It's like deep, deep settling foundational knowledge. Be still and know that I am God. And so we're talking about this subject of what to try when you're tired of trying. And I've given you four things that you could try when you're tired of trying. And uh, real quick, I will go back through them. Number one, take yourself less seriously. Have fun, laugh, uh, lighten up. Um, It's going to be okay. Uh, uh, There's nothing going to happen that God is not in control. God is not melting down on high. He's not nervous. Everything's going to be okay. Number two, get out of your cave. Get out of your cave. Now, caves are different for different people. You know what your cave is. Get out of your cave. Um, Explore the story you may be telling yourself. Explore the negative emotion that might be a deceitful prison in your life. And number four, find your way to being silent in the presence of God. You don't have to impress me, Lord. I know that you are God and I'm open to hear your voice. Um, I, in the interest of uh, uh, provoking questions, I, uh, I uh, did a... I did a challenge, and that was um, I tried to ask the question that I would want if I was the one reading through these notes. And so I imagined I was preaching, I was reading another preacher's notes. And when I got to the end of his notes, I tried to write down, I wrote down two questions, and maybe this will uh, prompt questions uh, in any of you. And uh, then I think it can be I think it can be helpful. So here's the first question I had when I tried to read the notes like someone else had done them. Number 1. When I try to make time for God, I get bored quickly and create another stress point for myself. Now I'm not praying, etc. I feel like I've just created another point of failure in my life. How do I make sure that my devotion isn't simply another stress in my life? Now, this is some real talk right here. (laughs) This is about as real as we can get as far as real talk. Um, This is a fair question because devotion is not meant to be duty, even though it starts as duty. Um, Imagine you're in a relationship and you're never together. You're supposed to be doing life together. You're supposed to tell each other how you feel you're supposed to uh, but and then one day you say we're going to make some time we're going to have say you're married we're going to go on a date we're sending the kids off to who cares where they end up and we're going on a date 
um, I would say good for you. That's, but here's the thing. While you're getting ready for this date, it'll feel like duty. You're already tired. What you want to do is go home and veg. But you made a date. It'll feel like duty. But once you do it, now you'll realize why it's important. And now you'll realize why um, it is a great discipline for couples uh, to have. Um, even though, uh, full disclosure, um, me and my wife aren't very good at, at, at setting time aside like that. But we're going to do better on it. Um, if I have to prayer through in Jesus name, we're going to do better on it. Um, so the point being here, um, if devotion feels like duty, um, it's maybe that it's just the beginning and then you get to a good place. But if it's turning into another point of failure and you're like, what do I try when I don't want to try? I know I need to pray, but if I was completely honest, I, I just don't want to. I get bored. My mind wanders. And so I would have some advice for this individual. Um, number one, notice when you get bored. Chances are it's not right away. It might be after a certain amount of time. And notice where your, um, your endurance is. And if you, your endurance is at about, say, 12 to 15 minutes is when you really start struggling. But don't fight it. Don't get mad at yourself. Just notice at about that 12 to 15 minutes and create a goal that's actually reachable for yourself where you're not setting yourself up for failure. So I know around 10, 12 minutes, I'm just, ah, uh, okay. So tonight my goal is 15 minutes. I'm going to do 15 minutes. Um, that's an attainable, an attainable stretch for you when you're burnout, you're tired, and you're honestly, the things you need to do are just another stress point um, in your life. If you'll notice about what you can do and create a goal that is a stretch goal, but not a failure setup. It's a stretch goal, but not a failure setup. If you've never been on a fast, and I ask you to go on a seven-day fast, I really haven't helped you that much. I've probably set you up for failure. Because fasting is a unique psychological experience, and I don't want your first effort to be a fail. So if you've never fasted and you talk to me about it, I'm going to be like, let's do a 24-hour fast. Okay, let's build on that. And then after that, oh, let's try a, let's try a three-day fast. Um, what we're doing is we're creating a stretch goal, but we're not setting ourselves up for a type of a failure uh, high probability failure event. And so um, if you're struggling with your arena of conviction uh, or prayer and devotion, I should say, uh, make sure you just set a stretch goal. Don't just create another set of emotional realities that you're not enough. You're never going to pray enough. You're never going to attain. I promise you that isn't, that isn't uh, helping you and you're not being a good steward of yourself. You're not being a friend to yourself and you're not being a good steward of yourself by creating these goals whereby you are very likely uh, to fail. All right. The second question I came up with and uh, here we will go. If I were honest, I would admit that prayer, that while prayer helps, I never feel fixed. What can I do to become an actual healthier person rather than just a weak person who needs more rest? Um, so, <laughs> um, I think this is a, uh, a fair challenging question for any of us because the truth is how we respond when we you don't want to 
to, you know, it's like, what do you do when you don't want to do anything? Um, uh, strength does not grow in an instant. There isn't an abracadabra prayer that you pray and all of a sudden you have a type of strength that does not require a trial. Remember, God is more interested in fixing me than he is my problems. Um, if God fixes my problems, I am left without testimony. Do you see? Um, I at some point am not a testimony if he's still fighting for me in the promised land. He fought for me in Egypt. He didn't ask me to do anything in Egypt. He just said, get out of there. But when I got to the promised land, he wouldn't fight for me. He said, you're well able. But Lord, I don't want to. He said, you're well able. You are well able. And if they, if, if we cannot transition from when we needed God to do it all, to when we have things we need to do, then we're not experiencing real growth, uh, becoming, we aren't living out spiritual becoming. Um, and so the goal is always to become a stronger person, not just be a weak person who gets plenty of rest. All your spiritual potential is a result of you having the strength to attain it, to accomplish it. Um, and strength comes through uh, discipline. Strength comes through discipline. You don't get strength first, you get discipline first. I cannot overemphasize that. I cannot overemphasize that. Nobody gets strength first. What they get first is discipline. If they will have discipline, they will become strong. So if you're, imagine yourself going to the gym and you put uh, 500 pounds on the bar and you're like, Lord, I'm praying right now by the power of the name of Jesus. I'm going to lift this weight right over my head right now. And then you grab that weight and you go to put it over your head. Um, I mean, maybe it'll work for you. It hasn't ever worked for me like that. Um, but uh, you understand what I'm saying? I don't get strength first. I get discipline first. And this is what I know. If I will set stretch goals for myself, not being a bad steward, being a bad friend to myself, but being a good steward, and I set stretch goals. So I know that around 15 minutes, I start, my brain starts complaining. So I set a stretch goal. Then I realize eventually it's a little longer. Now it's 20, 25 minutes. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm still in the moment. I'm still celebrating the presence of God. Um, if I have the discipline to create stretch goals in my life, I will become a stronger person you will become a stronger person but you do not become a stronger person without discipline and you do not become a stronger person overnight so um, that's enough uh, for me here and i want to give any of you a moment if you would like to ask me any questions uh, on this issue of what do you do when you what do you try when you don't want to try anything? You're sick of trying. Um, I'm going to give you a moment and then uh, we will proceed. So here's your moment. End of a road fully told But it ends All righty. Well, I think I've given you a moment. So um, there's a great question right there um, from Leah. 
this is great motivation little goals to achieve a prayer life this is the truth about our spiritual walk strength comes from disciplines yes what do you do when you know what to do and still don't what do you do when you know what to do and still don't i think that's another way to ask the same question uh, that I've been dealing with on uh, if you don't feel like it you don't you're not trying or, or what do you do um, if you're struggling to find the strength to do something spiritually and for, for some reason you you can't keep to, you can't seem to do it um, I would say there's a probably a, a fair chance that um, you're not ready you don't have the strength to do it so you need to set a smaller goal if you're setting a goal and then you don't do it don't set the same goal you're not worthy of the same goal you shouldn't trust yourself with the same goal you didn't do it last time you've set yourself up to fail so this time what I would recommend is set a smaller goal don't set the same goal and if you don't do that set a smaller goal but don't give up don't give up bring the goal down because this is what I believe God sees your good heart God sees your effort God sees the smallest effort you make a cup of water given in Jesus name God sees it so if you're setting goals that you are not keeping don't despair don't give up and stop setting that goal because every time you fail you beat you up and you've got this kind of dysfunctional toxic attack on yourself going i know a lot about this because i spent years of my life doing this to myself i would set a goal i wouldn't keep it and then i create a blame game where i'm the bad guy and then i wonder why I actually then live out a season of failure to fulfill the voice I was in my own life. So I want you to stop doing that. If you don't follow a goal, don't keep setting that goal, back it off. Find a goal that you can keep and build strength upon strength, strength upon strength. That's your self-discipline. Now, in your spiritual discipline, continue praying, continue believing, um, let me end with this. Um, all of us have um, a, a lived theology in our life. I know that's a little complicated way to say it, but all of us have a view of God. Not everybody has a healthy view of God. And if you grew up in a certain environment, it's possible that you only feel, uh, how shall we say, you only feel uh, religious or righteous when you're using that cutting voice of prophetic disapproval in your life. If you grew up in a church where it wasn't a real, I'll never forget, let me tell this story. As an evangelist, I was preaching for a church in California and I had preached uh, faith, I had preached deliverance, I preached everything. It was a third night of revival and after the altar, the pastor uh, called me into his office I'll never forget this because there are some other stories that happened to this church. 
he called me in his office and he said, brother, uh, Nathan, I, I'm enjoying having you. You know, he, he was positive to me. You're a good preacher, blah, blah, blah. Just, I knew he had something he had to say because he had started by complimenting me. You know how that goes. And then he said, but, and of course, whenever someone uses but, what that means is what they're about to say is more important than what they said. So here's what he said. We really like it when the evangelist is hard and tough. And would you, if you're going to continue in revival here, I need you to get hard. And I remember thinking, okay, I mean, I'm I'm working for you. I'll try to do what you're asking me to do. And I did. But it was it was an awkward moment in my life. And I realized that those good people in that church and that good pastor, they had this idea that if it wasn't of a certain kind of prophetic, cutting, judgmental, and all those things are good in their place, but I don't know that it's healthy for us to have all of that. Um, I think you have need the positive and the negative. Um, and the result of that was uh, a realization in my life that there's some people, that's their view of God. If, if, we, if any of us grew up in an environment where you had to have that, it, what you weren't really called, anointed, or chosen, or faithful, if you weren't being yelled at, rebuked, and terrified about how the black helicopters were coming to take you all the way to the Antichrist, then you weren't really anointed. Look, I'm not against that, those churches. The churches like that, they reach people that I wouldn't reach. I'm not against them. Um, but I want to challenge all of you that if you came up in an environment where if you didn't do this, 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 and this, and this, and bless God, you weren't praying an hour and a half a day, then you don't even need to, you don't even need to come to the house of God. I don't even know how you're going to be saved if you're not praying an hour and a half a day. That's a style, and it's fine for the people who do it. But if you're continually setting a goal that is creating failure in your life, it might be that you're trying to live up to an idea uh, that it, 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 it's setting you up for failure. And then this cycle of try, 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 fall off the wagon. Try, try, try. We don't want to do that. All right, I've talked enough. Um, we're on our time here. Um, oh, I do have another question. So let me, uh, when I struggle to pray day after day after day, I've changed the goal to set apart the time and just listen to worship music and meditate and think on the word. It can be very uplifting. Amen. And again, I say amen, Sister Mary. Um, my, my prayer has changed over the years. And I probably spend more time now uh, hosting the presence of God than I do uh, preaching the Lord a good evangelistic message in the hope that he would, you know, repent of his sins and make things right. <laughs> I, I very much seek the presence of the Lord. Uh, and so that is a great practice for all of us. Like the prophet said, I'm not ready to prophesy. Someone bring a, someone bring a liar. And let's, let's think, not a liar, uh, uh, like the old ancient guitars uh, and let's sing for a while let's host the presence of the Lord all right that's enough um, let's take a moment and pray together and wherever you are apply this to your life and let's just have a moment here where you consider the word of the Lord and you apply it into your life and then we'll pray together Lord we pray for your strength in our life we pray for not just strength however we also pray for wisdom because strength oftentimes grows out of wisdom. As we have the wisdom to make changes in our life, to 
discipline ourselves uh, to spend time growing in understanding, spend time growing in prayer, spend time asking, seeking, knocking, asking of the Lord for wisdom and you freely give it to us. Lord, as we grow stronger, we find a whole new opportunity, a whole new realm of spiritual direction, of potential in our life. Help us, Lord Jesus, to live it. Help us to have the strength to overcome all of the circumstances in our life. Help us not to be our own enemy, but help us to be people that host the presence of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, I'm going to turn the mics back on so everyone can uh, say uh, uh, goodbye before they, they go if you want to. If you don't want to, you just can check off. God bless you all. Uh, we love you. We'll see you Sunday. It's going to be a great day. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come worship with us. Thank you.